Hey guys, welcome back to a bite of D&D, the podcast that adds flavor to your games and campaigns. I am your host, Zach, and across the internet is my co-host, Micah. Hey guys. And today, we're going to be talking about the Tritons. That's right. I did a Little Mermaid marathon in preparation for this. I, I don't know why we wanted to talk about King Triton so much, but I am prepared. That's good. That's good. I'm happy. I will be talking about the Triton from Volo's Guide as a player class, and you can talk about King Triton as much as you wish. We can have a good variety here. I will need to go grab my book. I was not ready for this. Okay. All right. Well, while he's grabbing his book, let's talk about where you can find Tritons. Tritons are in Volo's Guide, page 115 through 118. They are a race that can breathe air and water they have a swim speed as well as a walking speed and they're kind of interesting as a race because they get ability score increases to strength con and charisma all three plus one to each which is kind of different and it makes them viable in a lot of different classes in that respect volo i think says it best i guess the quote that Volo put in his book says it best from Brego Stoneheart. Ah, the Tritons. Imagine if the elves spent a few centuries far beneath the sea where their arrogance and pretension could grow undisturbed. At least the Tritons spent that time fighting uh, Sohuagin and worse, so you know you can count on them, count on them in a fight. Yes. It's always great when you get halfway into a quote and you realize you don't know the pronunciation of a monster. That's definitely not what just happened. <laughs> I was catching my breath. Okay. Well, let's talk about Tritons and what do we like about them? What do we not like about them, if anything? And where would we put them in our games? So I actually think these guys have quite a bit of potential for a pretty cool character. There is a very slight amount of Monk of the Long Death Syndrome in these guys with their flavor making it a little bit difficult for me to comprehend them in some campaigns. But it's a very, very brief complaint. These guys are basically, it's said that they are our world's true protectors, or at least in their minds. And they spend all their time fighting off the denizens of the deep and krakens and all these other horrible monstrosities that came to our world from the plane of water and yet you may have a level one adventurer triton and that just doesn't feel great or believable to me so in your own home campaigns if you're not playing forgotten realms you can make them work however but based on the forgotten realms lore for them it's hard for me to see one of these guys starting as an adventurer at level one aside from that again very minor complaint Maybe he is a fresh recruit from the elemental plane of water and just came over. Or maybe he's just starting his training and his parents have lived here their entire lives and they're accomplished. So you can write that in however you want. But I wouldn't have a very old Triton, I guess, if I'm starting at level one because I feel like they should be more experienced than that. Yeah, I look at them. I was saying earlier, there's a lot. If you read the flavor text, I don't see how you don't get middle earth's gondor out of it they're described as haughty nobles who believe that they are the bastions standing between other free peoples and a darkness so so to me if i look at it as gondor their civilization is built around their military and you know they're in that respect the military is everything but there is that civilization backing the forces and so yeah i think 
at first glance it seems weird, but there's got to there's always young Tritons. There's always got to be inexperienced Tritons. I don't see it as them as having like a an open channel to the plane of water. I think traversing in between the two planes is a rare event, at least in my eyes. So they have to have families and and regular folk on this side of existence. Well, and that's why I just say if I were to play level one adventure, he'd be a a younger train. Maybe if we're starting at a one shot or doing something a little bit more in depth or my character dies and I'm bringing someone in as a catch up character and we're level eight, 10, then he may have a little bit more in depth backstory involving his time as combatant down below. Well, so let's talk about a few of the other abilities that Tritons have. I talked about a few of them, but they get some interesting spells in that they get Fog Cloud, which is a little bit weird to me because that would not work underwater. So I I view Fog Cloud because I, I agree. I'm not a huge fan of it if they are primarily underwater. But I see that as maybe accelerating the air particles within the water to create a field of bubbles or something that you mean gust of wind that they get at third level no well okay that (laughs) one also doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me for primarily being underwater but i'm trying to find an excuse for this so underwater i see fog cloud as being like bubble cloud to like obscure vision and stuff i'll buy that and then let's say they get they get gust of wind at third and then at fifth they get their own special unique spell called wall of water which you probably, if you were like me, are surprised to hear that it's not a regular spell that you can get anywhere, but it is designed for them, and it's found here in Bowers. Yep, it's interesting. It's similar to a few of the other wall spells. doesn't block line of sight like some of the other ones do, but does impose disadvantage to like any attack going through. It has some nice effects to mitigate some fire damage, and then uh, freezing attacks that go through do freeze it solid and allows the section to be destroyed mm-hmm. uh, and maybe get safe passage through it. So there's some kind of unique interactions there, but it's a decent protection spell and can also be used with Tasha's hideous laughter to just drown people in a pinch so <laughs> yeah yeah that would be fine Let's see so here's here's another ability and i have a question about it so guardians of the depths it says adapted to even the most extreme ocean depths you have resistance to cold damage that's fine i understand and then it says and you ignore any of the drawbacks caused by a deep underwater environment and i'm asking okay they don't have dark vision so what drawbacks are we talking about because i know my players are going to say Oh, this passage here says that. Yeah, basically it's just cold and pressure. So we can dive into maybe a few other options later, but what I kind of liked as maybe, because I thought it was weird they didn't have dark vision, especially if you're at those extreme depths. Right. So in my opinion, I almost like getting rid of their emissary of the sea because I feel like you have to get rid of something to give them something else because they do have quite a few things at their disposal. But if they are a super deep sea triton, maybe get rid of emissary of the sea where there wouldn't be as many aquatic beasts for them to communicate with anyway and give them superior dark vision since it's essentially pitch black down there. 
and give them sunlight sensitivity similar similar to your underdark denizens and to me that makes a little bit more sense when you're talking about depths that far down because i think the only other drawbacks they're referring to are really just pressure because they don't have dark vision and so there's no way they would be able to see yeah it's a weird it's a weird statement that i see players wanting it to have a benefit and then as a dm trying to explain what that benefit is and i think pressure is a good statement except then you say okay well all my other players now i have to incorporate pressure in if they go underwater and there's no rules for that so now i have to figure something out it kind of opens a can of worms but maybe that's a can of worms you you don't mind opening well maybe it depends on the type of game you're playing too i mean there's plenty of campaigns that you'll never touch anything deeper than like a large lake so to to really get into major deep ocean stuff i think is a a campaign setting on its own and then it would be reasonable to have your own house rulings for some stuff like that see so we touched on it briefly but emissary of the sea is kind of like the commune with nature or whatever it is that some of the other races get where it's the aquaman ability yeah you can talk to animals aquatic creatures but they can't talk to you or you can't understand it and it's a very basic very cut and dry thing kind of like the fur bulgs a couple pages earlier in this book where they have speech of beast and leaf where they can talk to beasts and plants with no special ability to understand them in return so that covers all of the abilities of Triton. So my question is, what do you actually think about them, and how would you have them in your game? So I like the fact that they are meant to be a rare occurrence. They they spend most of their time underwater defending us from threats we don't know exist. I also like that elves have competition for most annoying character race in the game, because I would not be able to get along with one of these guys now that doesn't mean they're not fun to play or they're not good characters because i think they can make very fine characters to play especially with some of their quirks one of them is listed that they have learned an antiquated version of common so they sprinkle in things like thee and thou stuff like that because they have so little you know, communication with the surface world. But I think you could have a lot of unique conversations, especially if you're playing a little bit more of a political intrigue game where you have a rather brash Triton who views himself as superior or more important than most the dignitaries and stuff that you're meeting above land. I like the fact that, like you said, they compete with elves for this most annoying character or most annoying race i like the fact that they are on that level of competition in in that they are built around nobility and duty and purpose and sense of honor in their accomplishments i think that that makes them a unique feel for a race i think elves a lot of times are haughty just because of their history and it feels like these guys are haughty because of their present yes i and i agree with that they Unlike elves, they have a reason to put themselves maybe above others, whereas elves just do it because they're elves and their ears are pointy, you know? So at least these guys have earned their right to maybe be a little bit full of themselves. I also like that part of their decision to fight off these invaders from the elemental plane of water for us is because they feel like it's their fault that they're here in the first place, Yeah, that they, through their negligence in fighting them off on their home plane that is what allowed them to slip through to the material plane so part of why they 
defend the ocean trenches is out of a sense of duty and obligation for allowing them to get here in the first place. Yeah, yeah, I do like that. I like that. It's It makes them more than just, hey, we're better than you and we're protecting you. It's like we're protecting you because this is our fault kind of in the first place. Or at least it's our plane's fault that these are here. It's kind of like Transformers, right? Yeah, kind of like Transformers, but with less explosions because that doesn't play as well underwater. Yes. Michael Bay would be sad. So let's... In, in the vein of Transformers, let's roll out some alternate settings that we would put these guys in. So I'd have to take a look at maybe some of the spells to change because these guys actually get one of the main things I would give them. But I like the idea of the Tritons coming from dif- different types of regions. So what would a Triton from the Arctic be like in comparison with a freshwater, maybe inland Triton guarding a small portal to the plane of water that happens to be in some great lake inland what would the deep sea trench tritons how would they differ from those that live closer to the surface colonies and i think um, i think that we've already touched on that a little bit and and what we what and what you said about you know tweaking their spells or or swapping out abilities i think some of that it becomes pretty easy you know oh well the, the deep ones are going to have dark vision but they're not going to tell animals. i think that's a perfect example and maybe some of their spells are you know create light or different things like that as opposed to a gust of wind well and there are plenty of ice spells that you could get for an arctic triton without having to change anything else maybe if anything maybe i get rid of their plus one to charisma and give them another plus one to constitution so one strength to constitution just because of the more maybe intense environment. Because that charisma one, in my mind, maybe it comes from their nobility. Maybe it comes from them talking to sea creatures all day. And it's given them maybe a, a little bit more nuanced form of communication with things. But I could see potentially adjusting those ability scores just a little bit, depending on the environment as well. Though plus two to constitution with everything else is is fairly strong. Now, something I think about, and I don't think you listen to Critical Role, and I'm just a season two person, but they have a Triton in season two in a urban setting. and A real fish out of water. A real fish out of water. And I like that idea. I think that it's, you know, going back to Gondor... And thinking about the Fellowship of the Ring with Boromir in the House of Elrond, like in his world, he is truly the protector, the defender, the nobility, the 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 highest rank. And then he just carries that with him wherever he goes. And even when he sets foot in this House of Elrond that's thousands of years old, he feels like his voice should have just as much sway, if not more, than any other. And I think that that's like a really fun idea to explore a race that just says, look, I'm finally like gracing you with the presence of somebody with a race that's been your protectors for for decades or centuries or whatever. You know, show some appreciation or some respect towards what we've been accomplishing. Well, and I think even that example goes a little bit further. And if you take at least movie Boromir and how his awkwardness when he kind of he's checking out the shards of Narsil and he realizes someone's watching him, he gets cut and he like goes to put it back and drops it and just kind of storms off like he's out of his element and yet also kind of too proud 
to admit it or fix it. And so he just kind of leaves it there and he's like, oh, it's just a broken sword. Yeah. Uh, and doesn't want to acknowledge maybe some of the history or respect some of that ancient lore that he is no longer really a part of in some ways. Right. Well, and I like the idea the book says, you know, this concept of seasons is bizarre to them because they live underwater. And I'm like, yeah, and that extends to everything. Like the idea of wagons or something like that with wheels is bizarre to them. Like that's a huge achievement for mankind. means nothing to a triton. And, you know, weather will definitely have some effects, but there's going to be weather out on the surface that, I mean, we understand the idea of a tsunami or, or a hurricane and what it does to both air or land and sea, but a Triton only un has an understanding of what is happening in the sea. They've never seen a tornado before. So there's, I like the idea of like, once they get on land, everything can be bizarre to them. Well, and I think you go to the most extreme example and you throw them into a desert environment and they see how people have had to cope without any water source whatsoever aside from yeah. what they can like scavenge from cacti and, and other plants and this, this sparse rainfall. And that's like a real eye opening, maybe character yeah. developing moment for them where they realize, Oh, that's intense, uh, at least for where they come from. And I would like to see like, if I had a player that was a Triton or if I had Tritons in my game, I would put them in situations that allow them to see the other side of things. Like they're defending against creatures from the elemental plane of water. But there's, you know, plane of air, plane of fire, plane of earth. Uh, you know, then there's the the demon areas and the devil areas and all of these other planes of existence. And I think that alone, realizing that they are a bastion, yes, but they are one of many, mm -hmm. could be an interesting character-defining, NPC-defining moment that I think would be a lot of fun. I agree. I think in many ways they could almost sympathize with the fiends as weird as that sounds because in many respects the fiends are the evil equivalents of the tritons in that they view themselves to be the only thing protecting everyone from the demon invasion yeah 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 exactly um, and there's actually quite a few kind of parallels even though they're on complete opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to, you know, your alignment charts. I think how they view themselves is actually quite similar, at least when you get up to the uh, the lords of hell and the higher ranking fiends, as opposed to, you know, your general demon fodder. But I think there's a lot of parallels there. And so seeing that, that particular interaction would be interesting to me. Is there anything else we want to cover on these guys? I think... Uh, that's all I've got. The biggest thing is, especially with any of these races that don't have sub-races, and we kind of hit on this every time, but find ways that you can incorporate them or have them stem from in other regions within what they would normally be found in. So with Goliaths, we kind of hit on anything that is a harsh environment. I, we could see a Goliath culture kind of thriving because the Goliaths feed on bettering themselves, pushing the limits. The harsh environment really kind of helps build them into what they are. Yeah. I think for yeah. Tritons, there's plenty of different types of underwater environments that you could pull from, if not mechanically, because you don't always need to change the stats and abilities, but how does it affect 
what their abilities look like, how they behave. Are they in a, a coral dense region and that affects maybe their armaments and how they look? Do they come from the deep, the Arctic, things like that? So really when you're making your backstories, kind of hit in on some of those things and it helps make the character a little bit more unique than, yep, I'm a fish boy. I'm a fish girl. I come from the water and uh, now I'm on land. Exactly. Make them unique. All right. I think I'm good. If you guys find us on Facebook, on Twitter, feel free to holler at us. How have you used your Tritons? What do you like about them? Why are they not worse than elves? Why are they worse than elves? Whatever's on your mind, just hit us up, let us know. And if you think about it, leave us a review on iTunes. We'll see you next week. See ya.